The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. number 82 of the Gin Jag podcast. I'm your host Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Scott Klein. Episode number 82, not bad for a Jaguar uh, historical number there. Jimmy Smith, <laughs> one of the all-timers there for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, number 82. But yeah, we've made it all the way to 82 episodes. Uh, we're going stronger a little bit better than the Jaguars are, I would say, at this point. Yeah, yeah a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've got a lot to get into today. The Jaguars just epically failed in Week 10 against their division rival, the Colts. They have fallen to 3-6 and six on the season. Duval's in full panic mode. Is Jalen Ramsey trying to leave? Will the Jaguars replace Blake Bortles in 2019? What's wrong with the defense? Does the Jaguars fire Todd Wash or Nate Hackett? We'll get into all that and more on this episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. Make sure to follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1, that's K-L-E-I-N. And you can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo. Make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag, on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. Check out our website, genjag.com, for all the latest news, analysis, videos, and of course, our podcasts. We've got new Duval gear dropping all the time. Look for a new Shad Khan-themed pin released tomorrow, thanks to Penobi. Please subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and the iTunes podcast app and uh, give us a review if you're able to. That really helps us out over on the iTunes podcast app. Big shout out to the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast, Bold City Brewery. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Online at BoldCityBrewery.com. And of course, go visit them downtown at their location on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. Like I said, Scott, we've got a lot to get to today. Traditionally, we kind of focus on providing a recap of the previous game and then doing a preview of the Jaguars' upcoming contest. Today, we will do a bit of that, of course, but we'll talk about much, much more than that today. Big picture kind of things. We've got a lot to get into. A quick reminder, tailgate this Sunday at Strata Clothing, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. Free food and drink for Jin Jag members. We will have smoked pork sandwiches provided by Feed and Seed Jacks. Beverages thanks to Bold City Brewery, Carvaca, Bricks Tap House, and Green Room Brewing. If you need a ride to the game, you can hop on the brew bus over at Green Room. 
Uh, they will take you to and from the game, and they'll even drop you off right at our tailgate. So make sure to check them out. That's the Brew Bus. Obviously, we need to start out with the Jaguars' last game, Jaguars versus Colts. Jaguars fell on Sunday, final score 26-29. to uh, To say the game was a bit unusual would be a bit of an understatement, I'd say. The Jaguars' offense did more than enough to win the game, which you can't say that too often. But a complete collapse by the Jaguars' defense in the first half saw the Colts put up 29 points in the first two quarters, one of the worst defensive halves in Jaguars' history. Of course, the defense did their job in the second half, pitching a shutout, but the team came up just short uh, thanks to a questionable fumble call in the waning moments of the game uh, as the Jaguars were driving. Rashad Green caught a pass and lost the ball as he was being tackled. On the field, it was ruled a catch with no fumble, but after a booth review, the call was overturned. We'll talk about that. The Jaguars also lost Brandon Linder, their starting center, best, most consistent offensive lineman and offensive captain for the season with a knee injury. The rest is history. Scott, let's get into this game. What specifically do you want to look at from this one? What do you remember the most or what what stands out to you the most? I mean, you can just look at the first half alone. I mean, that's (laughs) the reason why we lost the football game. And it's on one side of the ball. No question about it. The defense... Coming out of a bye week, just not even not knowing who to cover, seemingly what play you're running, it was just ugly. It, it wasn't necessarily bad play. It was just bonehead, just drop the ball, just letting a guy run uncovered down the fi- down the field for thirty to forty yards. Yeah, it wasn't like the players were just getting beat by better players. It was just yeah they either didn't know what they were doing or forgot what they were supposed to be doing or they maybe were seeing uh, seeing some some formations from the Colts that they hadn't seen in the past. It was just a multitude of things, I believe, that came together to produce one of the ugliest halves of Jaguars football defensively that I've ever seen. It's, I mean, it's just inexcusable coming out of a, a bye week. Yeah. And you literally have two weeks to prepare. Yeah. You saw Barry Church getting burnt. You saw Ooh. Telvin Smith getting burnt. Uh, Tashawn Gibson on that <laughs> Eric Ebron touchdown. I mean, there was guys wide open. Uh, there was, I will say the Leon Jacobs, uh, the touchdown he gave up in coverage, he had some pretty good defense, almost got the ball out there. Against uh, Mo Alley Alley Cox. Cox. But uh, other than that, most of those touchdowns were just easy picking. Yeah. That that was just the sum of the game for the Colts is easy. And against this defense, that's almost unheard of. It really is. It's seeming to be a trend this year. What I call it a trend, it's happened in two games. It happened the entirety of the Dallas Cowboys game. Mm -hmm. It happened in one half against the Colts, and it happened for about a quarter against the Chiefs. Other than that, you really can't look at too much this defense has done wrong. Um, I mean, the Eagles were able to run the ball pretty well, but the defense still did a good enough job, I believe, in that game. Um, And And it always just seems like when the offense finally shows up and actually has some success, of course the other half of the ball, the other half of the team just lets them down. And then Josh Lambeau. Right, he had had a perfect season season prior to this week. 
Yeah. He misses a pretty easy 40-yard kick, and then he gets a extra point blocked. He did make an impressive kick yeah. after that. So I don't think he's lost confidence by any means. No. I mean, it's one of those unfortunate situations. You're going to miss some of those every once in a while. And I saw You're people. You're going to get one blocked every once in a while. I saw people blaming the loss on him because of the missed field goal. And that's. No. I mean, I get it. Yeah, if he made the field goal, the Jaguars would have at least tied the game. But. He, he missed and is still probably the most accurate. Kicker in football this year. Yeah, he's missed one field goal this year. Like he was a guy. <laughs> he didn't give up twenty nine points in the first half. He sure didn't. He I gave mean, up three in the second. Like I get what they're saying, but at the same time they're wrong. Yeah. If you're saying Josh Lambeau lost the game. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yes. If he made that kick, would the Jaguars have won or at least tied to go into overtime? Yeah. But how about? If Barry Church didn't miss assignments, or if you Thomas cover, Smith didn't miss if you assignments, just cover the guy, or Jalen Ramsey <laughs> seemingly going rogue on a couple plays, you don't want to assume what he was doing out there. But it looked like he was kind of doing his own thing a couple plays in the first half. And then what? I think it's even more infuriating that you come out in the second half and you completely shut them out. Yeah, you, they gave up sixty yards in the second half. Like what happened? How does a flip switch that quick, like where you can go from having a bye week, having all this time to prepare, then you go into the halftime break, come out, and then now the team can't score anything against you? It's not like the Colts uh, just went into the shell of their offense, I believe. I think they were still trying to win the game. The game got close. At, I mean, it was close the fourth quarter. It wasn't For- like the Colts had opportunities to go try to win the game and they didn't do it. The Jaguars were in position to win or tie the game, and for a, uh, for questionable a, fumble call. For a decent yeah. amount of the guys on defense, this is their first time actually playing against Andrew Luck. That's true. So I don't know if maybe they said, hey, these last two years have been a joke. They can't do anything on offense. I don't care who's behind center. We're going to dominate them. That would be a, such a dumb thing to think, <laughs> but, yeah, it's possible. I mean, Andrew Luck has been on fire this season. He had 23 touchdown yeah, passes second in entering, entering that game. He threw three more, so he's got 26 now. The guy's a stud. He's one of the best quarterback prospects to ever enter the NFL. He might not have quite the arm he did before the shoulder whole one-year absence and all that, but he's still got... If his arm isn't quite as good as it was, it's still better than 95% yeah. of the quarterbacks in football. And he finally has an offensive line that can protect him. I mean, oh. Quentin Nelson was an animal. Oh, Quentin Nelson. God, that Barry Church never wants to see him again. No, and we'll talk more <laughs> about that later. But yeah, the Colts' dominant offensive line. The Jaguars' defensive line is supposed to be their bread and butter, and they didn't stand a chance. It, it's so shockingly bizarre hearing that dominant Colts offensive line because of the state that it has been. I mean, when you invest in a uh, Quentin Nelson, a Ryan Kelly, Costanza has been around for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then you got a couple other guys on that offensive line who weren't, you know, big-time picks, but were, uh, they were, I mean, Braden Smith, he was a third-round pick, I believe, this year, a second-round pick. And I, I think a lot of that is on the shoulders a guy like Quentin Nelson, just the attitude that he brings and yes. the physicality. No question. And he goes 100% on every single play. It's infectious. When you have a guy like that who, I mean, he's the best He's the best guard in football. I have no question about that in my mind. He's just a dominant force. 
when you have a guy like that and you you have other talented players around him, they feed off his energy, and it, it was really a sight to be held. Unfortunately for the Jaguars, yeah. uh, they were on the losing end of that in a I'm big kinda, way. But I'm Malik kinda... Jackson didn't stand a chance against Quentin yeah. Nelson. Um, Marcel Darius didn't do anything. Uh, it was it was bizarre to watch. <laughs> the Colts Twitter posted a video of him uh, of that play where he blew up Barry Church. Yeah, he's and he's screaming just screaming all the way. Unfortunately, that was edited. He wasn't really screaming, but I even enjoyed that video yeah. just because it's just like a like a Comanche like just screaming his way into battle. It was just God, what a freak! I hate him. I, I hate him. He's like the first good Colts player that I haven't hated just because I love him so much. I only hate him because I wish he wasn't a Colt. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I hate him. But he, he's just something else to watch. If you go back and watch the All-22, he's just manhandling guys. Malik Jackson, Barry Church. And Eric Ebron. I mean, Detroit just lets him walk. Yeah. He was a talented guy. We knew yeah. that. Um, he just... I think kind of similar to Austin Safarian Jenkins. He needed a new new scenery. Uh, I think playing with Andrew Luck helps any yeah. tight end, obviously. He mm-hmm. is he made he's Jack a tight Boyle. end whisperer. I mean, Family you've man. got guys like Eric Swoop or Swope and Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron and then Mo Ali Cox. All these guys are just dominating when uh, Andrew Luck's getting them the football. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's frustrating, no doubt about it. Um, you got to feel... Okay for Colts fans, though. For some reason, I just don't hate them as much. Now, when they start whipping the Jaguars' ass every year again, yeah, which the, might be on the horizon. These aren't, might... the, these aren't the same Peyton Manning yeah. Colts that I despise. Right. So, we'll see. Uh, and, you know, Mike Vanderjat, he was a real... God, P.O.S. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the punter, who's now... McAfee. Pat McAfee. Or yeah. McAfee. McAfee, yeah. He's... Gone from the league, but he's still got quite an impact on uh, media and social media and whatnot. But Venetary, uh, you just don't hate him. You know? Yeah. It's a likable old kicker. One of the best to ever do it. But Oh, God. What was the tight end? Dallas? Dallas Clark. Dallas Clark. I couldn't think of his last name. Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne, oh, Marvin God. Harrison, Edron Jones. I, I saw nightmares about Dallas Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you one bit. So, um, Blake Bortles, he played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, really well, actually. I mean, 320 passing yards, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That threw uh, to Dante Moncrief. 68%. Oh, beautiful. That's like the type of thing you remember seeing Blake Bortles do all of last year and earlier this season. But, you know... We'll talk a lot more about Blake Bortles, but he did play well. You certainly can't put this one on him. No doubt about it. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on from this game. We've been talking about it for a little while. It will come up in other conversations throughout the show, but we're going to move on into some bigger picture topics. But before we do that, quick t- tidbit. Patrick Omame and Ben Koyak are back in the gang. Yeah. Um, that's just comes due to injuries and... Uh, I guess the Jaguars didn't like what they'd seen from David Greenwich recently. So they added Ben Koyak back to take his place. Uh, Omame, he'll take Brandon Lender's offensive line spot. And then they also got rid of uh, rookie cornerback D. Delaney and replaced him with a linebacker. 
So uh, I guess that's probably because of Laurentu McRae's injury. But McRae uh, did participate in practice. We'll talk about more about the injury front after these big picture topics. Uh, but the one final thing I want to get into before the big picture topics is pump the brakes on firing the coordinators. I was going to say just Todd Wash, but I'm yeah. going to say the coordinators in general. Let's see what they can do for the rest of the season. Um, Nate Hackett, he did not do a good job, I believe, of you know handling Leonard Fournette's absence. But now that Leonard Fournette's back, um, things are back on track, it looks like. And the offensive game plan really hasn't been... I mean, I, when you only run the ball nine times with offensive or with running backs which is what they did against the Eagles you can't have that but you know they got back to running the ball this week with Leonard Fournette still like to see Carlos Hyde get more involved you trade a fifth round pick for him and he's not even touching the ball not getting in the game so that's pretty weird but I just don't think these guys deserve to be thrown under the bus yet they got you to AFC championship last year uh there's been massive injuries uh, all sorts of negative things going on with the team. Let's ride the season out. It's very possible that they should go at the end of the season, but I don't think firing them at this point would do you any good. No, I mean, coming into this year, Todd Walsh was talked about as like, hey, he's going to be the next like under-the-radar head coaching hire because of the things that happened last year. Well, yeah. this year, the sacks aren't coming. The interceptions aren't coming. That's got a huge impact on it. And... Nobody wants to blame anyone but the, the, the coordinator. I don't think it's fair. Um, I think there's a lot of things involved that are contributing to the poor play this year. Yeah. Other I than mean, just the coordinators. are always the scapegoats of yes. everyone. It is what it is. But uh, they, they might deserve to be fired after the season, but I don't think nine games in these guys deserve to be to get the axe. Just, when the, if you're doing that, yeah. you're just doing it just to do it. Yeah, the defense at times has been poor, but but on the whole, as a majority of the season, they have it's not still been one of the best defenses in football. They're still number one against the pass. They're still one of the top defenses getting off the field on third and fourth down. Uh, they're just they're a great team still on the defensive side of the ball. They've had a couple of poor performances, obviously, but you can't just take a couple bad performances and say that now Todd Wash is trash you know? yeah and it might it sounds surprising given the last few weeks but they're still top six in the league and fewest explosive plays given yeah up. So it, <laughs> there's all sorts of stats that you just look at them and you're like well this defense is doing a lot better than you think mm-hmm. uh a lot of the negativity with the defense has just come from the offense putting them in such bad situations but um moving on from that the the point is don't bury these guys yet. Mm. They did a lot last year. They have had their moments this season. Um, let's see what what takes place the rest of the year and then uh, make a decision on, on what we think these coordinators, if they should stay or go. Uh, big picture topics here, which that, of course, is kind of a big picture topic, but... Um, that was my pump the brakes. Did you have anything you want to tell people to just slow down on? No, I mean... It's a lot of just calling for firings. That's the yeah. theme, really. And just cut it out. Don't be an ass. <laughs> <laughs> True that. So these big picture topics, the first one I think is pretty obvious to anyone who's listening. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey's future in Duval. 
Um, he seemingly went rogue on a couple plays during the game, during the first half. Uh, kind of weird. I don't know if he actually did or if he was just confused or what was going on. But obviously, he had his worst game of the season. Yeah, and he's just hasn't been making an impact. Yeah, in games. I mean, he did against the Eagles. Yeah, no, he. It's just he'll he'll flash. Yeah, but even last year, when he wasn't, he was he was still consistently above average. Yeah, he he peaked a lot more and had a lot more kind of breakout plays. This year, those aren't those just aren't coming, and he's even. Going the other way, where at sometimes it seems like he's struggling. Yeah, I still believe he's been a very solid player. I don't think he's gotten a lot of help from uh, Barry Church this year yeah. or from guys underneath. Um, A.J. Boye being out the last two weeks certainly doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Ramsey, his future in Duval. He comes out Monday morning on Twitter and Instagram saying, Y'all gonna miss me when I'm gone. I ain't even tripping." And on Instagram, on his story, he puts a Jacksonville, Florida sticker, uh, seemingly calling out either the organization or Jacksonville fans. For some reason, he felt it necessary to put Jacksonville, Florida on that particular post. Uh, That led to a lot of speculation, which probably was overreaction, but the the thing of it is, why, why do you come out and say that if you're not talking about Jacksonville? Yeah, when I first saw it, to me, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't really know what to think. Because to me, looking at Jalen Ramsey, he's the kind of guy that will take something and he'll just he'll need to pump it up and turn it into something that it might be more than it is. Maybe he heard something on Twitter or somebody was coming after him and he's like, if y'all don't want me here, I don't need to be here. Yeah, I mean, I he's been one of the least criticized Jaguars yeah. on the team this year, and rightfully so. He's the best player on the team. Um, I'm sure there was some criticism after this game. Maybe the coaches told him something he didn't really want to hear. Perhaps it was that. Perhaps it had nothing to do with fans. Perhaps it had yeah. to do with something within the organization. But it uh, led to a lot of people being real upset with Mr. <laughs> Next day... He posts a snippet from his Mina Kimes ESPN feature that came out earlier this summer that uh, highlights that he wants to retire a Jaguar, and then he used the hashtag fact check. Um, <laughs> like, this is just a guy who... I mean, first of all, I think it's good that he came out and wanted to clear up the fact. Yeah, I mean, at least he addressed it. But the way he addressed it, again, he tried to make it seem like nothing was his fault. Everyone else was being dramatic. And that that we were the ones who were taking it the wrong way and we shouldn't be freaking out. This is the guy. He's a definition of a diva. But he's my diva. Yeah. Let's preface that. He's our guy. He's one of the best players at his position in the league. And I want him to be a Jaguar for forever. Yeah. As long as he can play. But I personally think he is consistently... Just kind of acts aloof. He's been rude to local media on many occasions. He's deleted pictures of he and Blake Bortles from Instagram. He's talked all sorts of trash about what's going on in the locker room. uh, Saying it ain't right a few weeks ago. Uh, We all know what's going on, but it ain't right. We're not going to talk about it, but we we can't, but it ain't right. Uh, He's just consistently contradictory with his behavior. Uh, And I think he's a guy that... Is just going to always say what he wants. 
And when people take it the wrong way, he's going to act like it's their fault for taking it the wrong way. Yeah. When he's the one coming out saying something a little bit stupid. I saw somebody tweet out, like they quote tweeted him, saying, Hey, everybody, look at me, look at me. And then the next day he goes, What are y'all talking to me? What are you, get, your, get my name out of your mouth. What are y'all talking about before? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what? what he is. Uh, but he's my guy. I love Jalen Ramsey, the football yeah. player. He's one of the best players at his position, if Look, not the best in the game. I when, want him forever. When we're winning, he's going to be loud and boisterous, and he's going to say what he thinks, and it's going to be great. And when we're losing, he's going to be loud, he's going to be boisterous, and nobody's going to like what he thinks. Exactly. So, so it's it's a lot of circumstances surrounding it. This is just who he is. But would I, would I like him to kind of maybe mature as he grows? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen. I doubt it will. Because... Um, I don't care what you say. It's immature to come out and say, y'all going to miss me when I'm gone. I ain't even tripping. Tag Jacksonville. In. And then the next day, come back and fact check everyone. Like Basically, just be like, yo, yo, you guys better be glad that you have me because I could just up and leave one day. Yeah. So, you know, make, give me a reason to keep me. Yeah. And uh, speaking of upping and leaving, Jalen Ramsey, his current rookie contract, the Jaguars will be able to hold on to him through the 2020 season with his fifth-year option. And then they will be able to subsequently franchise tag him at least two more times mm-hmm. after that. While so, probably also trying to sign him to a contract, making him one of the highest-paid corners in the league. So <laughs> if even if he wanted to go somewhere, unless the Jaguars just acquiesce to him demanding a trade, which it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point, it doesn't look like he's going to demand a trade, I guess it doesn't even look like he wants to be traded or wants to leave Jacksonville. Very confusing. It's all contradictory. Theoretically, guy. he's going to be playing here until about his eighth season. 2022 yeah. is, uh, I would say, the minimum. Yeah. Unless the Jaguars organization just gets sick of the act or something else happens. But if he just continues to be Jalen Ramsey that we know, he's going to be here for a long time. So don't worry about... Oh, well, maybe he'll leave after the season. He can't really control that. <laughs> yeah. Blake Bortles' future in Duval. That's a lot murkier, Ooh. I believe. All right, we buried the lead a little bit. <laughs> Let's get to that. So he played abysmal football over a three-week stretch against the Chiefs, Cowboys, and Texans, which led to his eventual benching against the Texans in the second half. Quickly renamed the starter before the Jaguars took on the Eagles the next week. And he actually played decent football against the Eagles. Wasn't great. Certainly missed some reads. Uh, one glaring one deep downfield on a, on a play where he just took the first down instead of going for it all. But the receivers had six drops in that game. It was atrocious play by the receivers. But Bortles still completed 24 of his 41 attempts and threw for 286 yards with a touchdown, no interceptions, and an average of over 7 yards per attempt. Not good, not great, but certainly not bad. Yeah, we said fine. Against the Colts, Bortles was actually very good. He wasn't asked to do a ton, Mm -hmm. but he completed 26 of 38 attempts with 3 drops. For 320 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and an average of 8.4 yards per attempt. Again, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but when he did attempt deep passes downfield, he looked decent. And one of them was one of the best throws you'll see all year from any quarterback. Blake Bortles to Dante Moncrief on the sideline. And Moncrief, of course, yeah. of course made a very good play 
to uh, beat his man and get into the end zone there. And you saw they were tr- a lot of times they were trying to take shots far more than I've actually seen them throughout the season. But he would always take what would the defense would give him and checked it down tons of times. I, I saw the little flat out to the running back when he was looking downfield over and over and over again. And they would gain yards, and they would keep the chains moving. Yeah. And sometimes, as a quarterback, you keep doing that until you take you, until you're able to take that. I and mean, that's shot. what Tom Brady does every exactly. single game. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad act to yeah. follow there. Yeah. Uh, still, I am an advocate for finding his replacement prior to the 2019 season. We were very keen on signing a certain quarterback that's in Minnesota right now. Yeah, before the season, <laughs> or even another one that that's... used to be in Minnesota. Yeah, uh, but I believe that Blake Bortles will play well enough over the final seven games to convince the Jaguars' front office that they should once again go into another season with Blake Bortles as their starter. This is just so Blake Bortles. Yeah. He's going to play just good enough over the final seven games, and of course, he played well. Uh, against the Colts and decent against the Eagles. He's going to play well enough that he'll help the Jaguars to get to 7-9, and nine, I believe, win four of their last seven games, maybe even 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, He's probably going to eclipse 20 passing touchdown threshold, which is by no means impressive. But, you know, when you start looking at the season stats, you're like, oh, he really wasn't that bad once Leonard Fournette came back. Mm-hmm. He'll eclipse over 4,000 yards passing. He's currently on pace for 4,161. Uh, I believe he'll have far fewer interceptions in the second half of the season. And, I mean, he hasn't thrown an uh, interception since week six. The Jaguars are financially tied to him. The Jaguars football triumphant, triumvirate is tied to him because they've been riding it out with him, especially Dave Caldwell. They're going to live or die by what Blake Bortles does in 2019, and they had better hope Leonard Fournette stays healthy. <laughs> I wouldn't put money on that, but we'll see. I think the decision for Blake Bortles goes even beyond Blake Bortles. Even if he does enough in the last half of the season to... Or even if he doesn't do enough in the last half of the season, I'm sorry to really warrant him being brought back. You look at the draft, and you look at free agency, there's a couple names in there of guys that you'd be you'd be okay with. But unless you trade up for a guy like uh, Herbert, Justin Herbert out of Oregon... Which, there's no guarantee he's going to even enter the he draft. Might, yeah, there's, and there's no guarantee that he's ready to be an NFL quarterback at this point. I've looked at some of... His yeah. season this year, and he's been far from consistent. No, he's definitely a project. I mean, he could probably use another year. But outside of him, which is even the cream of the crop, they're talking about a quarterback not even, might not even be going in the first round. I mean, my guy right now, time. and this is kind of getting off on a different subject, but my guy right now is Daniel Jones from Duke. Big mm-hmm. arm, athletic enough. Uh, but he seems to have a much better understanding of the game of football than Blake Bortles did entering and uh, he's a guy that can make a lot of throws. Not a huge arm, but a plus arm, a very good arm. I don't. He's a guy I, I like. I don't think I've seen one play of Duke football. Oh, he's good, man. You got <laughs> to go check him out. I like him a lot. Yeah. But yeah, the general consensus is that this quarterback crop isn't an elite quarterback crop. So you might be stuck 
with just a de facto Blake Bortles starter next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly, regardless of what I happens. don't think the Jaguars are going to go into next season and say we'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick or yeah. we'd rather have Tyrod Taylor yeah. or even we'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater because they could have had him. Yeah, they could have traded Dante Fowler for Teddy Bridgewater. They could have signed him prior to that for pennies on the dollar. Blake Bortles is this this uh, football triumvirate. Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, and Doug Marone. This is their guy. Mm-hmm. They've benched him twice in the last two years. Once in the preseason, once in the uh, I mean, regular season. But it's he's he, their guy, and it's mind-boggling uh, and frustrating. And isn't all of these... Are, yeah. What are we waiting on? What are you waiting for? What switch is going to flip? That he's just going to be this consistent, I think that average to above average quarterback. I think that their take is going to be that with the offense around him, with Leonard Fournette, that he can be a functional quarterback. Yeah, and with and I don't think that is the right thing to think, but I do believe he can be. With good. With good pieces around him, with Leonard Fournette, he can be. But you're relying too much on Leonard Fournette for this offense to be successful consistently. I love Leonard Fournette. Let's get into Leonard Fournette. He's missed a lot of time. Last year, he missed two games with injury. This year, he missed uh, pretty much the entire first half. But he is a monster when he's on the field. Mm -hmm. No, he wasn't perfect against the Colts. He looked hesitant, and he lacked uh, some vision. But he still had a massive impact on this game. He scored two touchdowns. He was perfect out of the backfield when targeted. Had five catches. Uh, the defense's focus just seems to... He's like a magnet for the defender's attention. And he just allows Blake Bortles and the rest of the offense to look so much better. And so much more functional. Uh, it's not just this game. He's done that throughout his career so far. And the offense just looks different. With him on the football field. I mean, you look at yesterday, or not yesterday, you look at this past weekend, and it was, it had regular success. I mean, yeah. they were able to move the ball consistently. They scored, they scored plenty to win with the defense that they have. It's just that that defense didn't show up for the first half. I mean, getting down like that and still being able to use, utilize a guy like Leonard Fournette to get over 100 yards overall. Is huge. I mean, that's not the position that this team is built to be in. And he even helped pull them out of that hole to try and mount a comeback. No question. This is a guy that scored 16 touchdowns in 19 games during his career. And uh, two of those games, of course, he barely played in. So you want to go take those two games away. The, The 17 games that he's finished, he scored 16 touchdowns in. Which is really, really impressive. Including a three touchdown outburst against the Steelers in the playoffs. This is the offense the Jaguars envisioned heading into 2018. Mm -hmm. And this, having Leonard Fournette back, if he stays healthy the rest of the season, is going to be the reason that Dave Caldwell and company are going to give for keeping Blake Bortles. He played well enough. And I don't think that I don't think Blake Bortles has to play well for them to keep him, but this will be their excuse. Yeah, I, Blake Bortles didn't have the team around him to start yeah. the season. Once he did get the team around him, he played well, and I think he is going to play well. 
uh, for the rest of the season. But again, you're relying way too much on one man being healthy. Mm-hmm. And when that one man isn't a quarterback, I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah, 100%. That's you're, you're absolutely right. When the focal point of your offense and the reason that the, the game plan that you have isn't the quarterback, everything has to go right. Yeah. Um, the Rams are great. Todd Gurley is great. Yes. But they don't have to have Todd Gurley to have a functional offense. Correct. The Chiefs are great. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have... Look at, perfect example, the Steelers. Exactly. They just plugged in James Conner and continued going, and Ben Roethlisberger is having a career year. Right, or even uh, you want to look at the Saints. Yeah. Um, they can do it with either guy, with Alvin Kamara or yeah. Mark Ingram. It doesn't matter who's out there. They're going to get the job done. Um, Leonard Fournette is a great football player. I just think the Jaguars have got to do more to try to have a functional offense without him. They've got and, to. And the Carlos Hyde tra- trade, if it happened the week after Leonard Fournette gets hurt, I think you might have been able to see more of that. Yeah. Because he's much more of a functional running back. TJ Yeldon's playing great this season. But that's... He's not a... F- He's not a um, three-down back. No. He's a pass-catching back. He's a third-down back. And he's been hobbled. And Carlos Hyde isn't a three-down back either, but he is a first- and second-down type yeah. of guy. Um, you know, like I said, Leonard Fournette's great, and when he's on the field, you're going to have a good, successful team. But that downside is you've got to worry about his injury history. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's a guy that should be best buds with Fred Taylor. Yeah. Um, Fred Taylor started his career off earned the nickname Fragile Freddy he was able to uh, really learn how to take care of his body and keep it right and he stayed fairly healthy the rest of his career after the first couple seasons and uh, Fred Taylor is in the building Yeah, <laughs> Leonard Fournette and him need to be figuring out how to keep this body healthy just get that hamstring right man <laughs> just do whatever you gotta do. Yeah. Do yoga. Do hot yoga. <laughs> whatever. Anything. <laughs> so, um, those were the three biggest topics I really wanted to hit hard there. But we've got a couple other things. Um, Ronnie Harrison, it's time to start. Yeah. Not even like even if Ronnie Harrison wasn't as good as I think he is, mm-hmm. I still think it's time for him to start just because of Barry Church and his <sighs> ineptitude in 2018. Yeah. It has gotten really ugly. He surrendered a quarterback rating of 104 in 2018 when targeted. His run fits against the Colts were just plain awful. And Quentin Nelson stole his soul. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Barry Church should not start another game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it's it's man, it's been bad. I mean, and then you get off-field stuff like what whatever happened in London at the clubs. I mean, nothing is going right for this guy. He had a he had a solid season last year. He was a contributor. He wasn't one of the playmakers on defense, but he was more than a, a holding carrying his own weight. And this year it seems like he's overwhelmed and just not getting in the right position, not making the plays and to an extent, getting exploited on this defense. Yeah. Um, now, Ronnie Harrison. He is that guy. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that is going to be the future of the strong safety position for the Jaguars. He trails only Jalen Ramsey in terms of the best uh, coverage uh, quarterback rating allowed. 
It's uh, in the low 70s. Really impressive. Um, he's been excellent in uh, run-stopping situations. And he just he brings speed to that position, physicality. Uh, he's a better hitter than Barry Church already. Yeah. Golly. Barry yeah. Church, can he can lay the wood. But mm. Ronnie Harrison is a special type of safety. There's no way he should have fallen to the third round. There's he's good in coverage. I mean, he's just he's good. Uh, he's a guy that needs to enter the starting lineup. He only had four defensive snaps last week. Got to get him on the field. And he needs to start. And it was surprising to me with the personnel that the Colts have and the game that they like to play with the tight ends that he didn't play a bigger impact. I mean, he he you always hear about him playing that big nickel kind of personnel. And this is the perfect game to put that in. Yeah. Because when you have a team that's going to run two, sometimes three tight ends and throw out of it, well, I mean, the, Hello. He, he can be, a, you can utilize that. Exactly. So, yeah, we want Ronnie Harrison to get in the game. I don't think that's an uncommon thought. I, I've kind of been thinking it for some time, but uh, I don't think they should wait until 2019 to do it. Get him in there. Um, end end the Barry Church era, which unfortunately for Church will be less than two years if they do end up taking him out. Mm-hmm. But get Ronnie Harrison in the game. He's ready for it. Now, Telvin Smith, he's been even more disappointing than Barry Church. I think he's the biggest disappointment on the team. Uh, and it's sad to say because he's a fan favorite. He's an awesome guy in terms of just leadership and being a a real spark plug for the defense in the past, but his play has been wildly erratic this year. 12 missed tackles. In coverage, he's just been lost. He's allowed 110 passer rating uh, when he's been targeted in coverage. What has happened to Delvin Smith? Yeah, I mean, seemingly it's similar to what's going on with Barry Church. I mean, there are times where he just completely lets his guy go. And... uh, just and those two were looking at each other several times uh, yeah. in the Colts game. You saw, the, yeah, they were in the in the um, the very first Eric Ebron touchdown. You immediately see Barry Church turn around and Telvin Smith just got his hands up in the air, yeah, <laughs> and just looking at each other. And then there was another one with Jack Doyle. They run on the play action, and both Gibson and Telvin Smith they run to fill the the run gap, and then Jack Doyle just runs right by him. Yeah, they didn't try and they didn't try and blow up the play. They didn't. They looked like they were just waiting to get blocked, and he just he just went and said, "See you," and got they a twenty yard game. To do, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Telvin, very disappointing. Hopefully, he can turn it around. I mean, he's a guy with a big contract as outside linebacker. He's got to he's got to flip the script here over the last seven games. Taven Bryan, was he a wasted pick? We obviously won't know the final answer to that until much further down the road, but in terms of 2018. Yeah, I don't, I just think when he was drafted, I was like, okay, he's going to be uh, the three technique. Mm-hmm. He's going to be inside. He's going to be able to use his athleticism to get up to the quarterback. I didn't necessarily think of him having edge rush pass rushing moves like Calais Campbell even has. Yeah. It's, to me, I think they just kind of forced him there. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean... He's got to make a move back to three technique, I believe, which is where he primarily played in college. Yeah. Uh, He hasn't looked good. 
hasn't been playing a whole lot, but that's that's really because I don't think Doug Marone has a lot of confidence in him yet. Um, I don't think he has a lot of confidence in himself. Yeah, because he goes in and he seems like he's just, the literally the only trying the only thing he's trying to do is hold the point of attack. He's not trying. I don't see. I don't. I haven't seen him do anything symbolizing a pass rush move. Yeah. A switch back to the inside might be required if the Jaguars hope to avoid him becoming a bust. Yeah, I mean... The latest bust in you, a long line of first-round busts. You look at a guy like that and just look at what he did in the interior. A guard can't handle his the way he gets off the ball and the speed that he has and combined with his strength. Well, let's say most guards. Most guards. I have a feeling... Uh, yeah, Quentin Nelson might be able to yeah. handle just about anything Taven Brown could throw at him. It's just he just seems mismatched where he's at, and and maybe a move back inside will help people feel more comfortable. They've, and they've got to see that. Yeah, like, they've got to see it. So uh, final note here: Austin Safarian Jenkins is apparently going to be ready to return in Week 15. I don't know if you would want to rush him back if the Jaguars are out of playoff contention at that point, which it certainly looks like they will be. Of course, they could get on a hot streak. But I guess it's at least a good sign that ASJ wants to get back into the football game and B, that his core muscle surgery went well. I don't think they'll hold out a guy if he's healthy enough to play. I mean, if he's back week 15, there's no one else really on IR right now that you would want to bring back. Yeah. Um, so if he's healthy, play him. I mean, it's even if it's even if it's a season that's long, you cannot, you're not making the playoffs. Get your guy back in the in the building, and let's see if we can get some kind of momentum, getting him plays, trying to figure out how he can exploit a defense next year. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, before we get into the injury update like to remind everybody to show some support for our one and only sponsor of the podcast, Bold City Brewery. Uh, you can find them online, boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. They provide us awesome beers for this show every week. And, of course, go visit them at their downtown location on East Bay Street and in their Riverside location on Roselle. And uh, let's go ahead and get into this injury update here. Missing from practice today for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Defensive tackle Eli Anku has a calf. Josh Walker, who's a really a guard, but he's been playing tackle for the Jaguars this year due to injuries, has an ankle and foot injury. And cornerback Quentin Meeks has a knee injury. All three of those guys were missing from practice. But the big news really is who was practicing. A.J. Boye, the Jaguars all-pro cornerback, Return to practice, albeit an Olympic capacity today. He is a guy the Jaguars need on their defense. He's just got to be there. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't been great in 2018, but what when he's him not great is a lot better than him not on the field. Yes, 100%. If he can play anywhere near what he did last year, yeah, that's a huge boost. Yeah, and then you've got Lorente McRae who's returning. He didn't play last week. And Eric Flowers, who suffered a knee injury against the Colts, he's back at practice. So that's really important, especially with Josh Walker missing from practice. Yeah, I mean, the left tackle position, you, you might just see a mannequin out there at some point. Yeah, it's, it's been, been rough. Brutal. But you got to give them credit. They didn't give up a sack last week. Jaguars as a whole didn't give up a sack last week, which is pretty impressive. 
Uh, AFC South roundup real quick. Texans are still at the top of the 6-3 record coming off their bye week. The Titans ascend to 5-4 and four with a big win over the Patriots. I think these Titans... I don't know if it was their strategy to go out and get more Patriots this year just so they could uh, have some revenge or get help exact their revenge against the Patriots for that brutal playoff loss last year. But it certainly worked out. They beat the Patriots. Uh, they're quite an enigma. To me, the Titans are a talented team that plays down to their opponents but can win football games. I don't. Yeah. I think, I mean, I believe they lost to the Bills earlier Yeah. This season. I mean... I mean they're an enigma. They just play. <laughs> I don't know down, what they play. Else to say. They play ugly football that nobody wants to watch, and they. But have. now, I mean, recently they've gotten the passing game going a little bit. Corey Davis is starting to emerge as an exciting wide receiver to watch. I know you don't want to admit it, <laughs> and uh, I hope that they go back into the, uh, into the. I don't know. What even to call it? But the I hope regs of the offensive woes of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I hope that happens, but I don't know if it will. I think they might have found something here. The Colts got to four and five with a win over the Jaguars, and of course, our big cats are at the bottom with a three and six record. Losers of five straight oh games. God. <sighs> it's going to take a lot just for the Jaguars to get back and being competitive in this division, but they still play each of these teams one more time, so they will have their chances. They got to win out. (laughs) You got to win out. (laughs) What a story that would be. Don't get your hopes up, Duval. Uh, Pump the brakes. (laughs) Yeah, pump the brakes if you're talking about the Jaguars winning out. Uh, They still play the Redskins as well. They're not going to be an easy game. Steelers this week. Jaguars versus Steelers. Let's get into it right now with our preview. Jaguars will wear teal jerseys with black pants this Sunday for the first time this season. I think that should be a nice-looking uniform. Yeah, I, I think that will look uh, They'll be taking on the Steelers, as we said, at 1 p.m. Was flexed out of Sunday night football. I wish we had the opportunity of black on black uh, and on Sunday night. Yeah, it would have been fun. Now the Le'Veon Bell-less Steelers enter the game on a five-game winning streak. Pretty much polar opposites of the Jaguars right now. James Conner, Bell's replacement, he's been on fire this year. He's in the concussion protocol, though. But he did practice fully for the Steelers on Wednesday and should be good to go this weekend, unfortunately, for the Jaguars. Their injury list is very short. (laughs) It sure is. I mean, good for them. Defensive lineman Stephon Tuitt missed practice Wednesday with an elbow, as did Big Ben due to a coach's decision. I'm not worried about Big Ben if I'm a Steelers fan, obviously. Uh, Stephon Tuitt, I don't know how serious that injury is, but it's something to monitor as the uh, week goes on because he is an important piece to their defense. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben being out, maybe even just a veteran's day off. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's pretty much what it is at this yeah. point. Uh, the Jaguars are five and a half point home dogs to the Steelers. Uh, the Jaguars do own the series record 14 to 11, but the Steelers have won four out of the last five in Jacksonville. Yuck. Yeah. At be six, oh, be ready that? to see a lot of black and gold in yeah, the stadium. It's going to be ugly, no it's doubt about disgusting. it. Disgusting. Uh, Filthy. <sighs> yeah. Moving on. <laughs> At 6-2-1, the Steelers are one of the most complete teams in football. They've got a Pro Bowl quarterback, Pro Bowl caliber running back, a beastly offensive line, two Pro Bowl receivers, and some really productive tight ends. I mean, this offense is tough to stop. On defense, they've got one of the best pass rushes in football. They've got... 31 sacks, which is tied for the lead league, league lead. 
Uh, they have been vulnerable at times on the back end. They've surrendered over 245 passing yards per game. And it lightly. <laughs> 19 passing touchdowns to just six interceptions. So teams have been able to put up some points through the air and some yardage through the air. Uh, they're in the bottom third of the league against the past and and the against the past in most categories. So um, you you want to see the Jaguars be able to take advantage of that. Obviously, they have been pretty solid against the run, surrendering just four point one yards per carry and only ninety yards per game on the ground. I do believe a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have been front running for the last five weeks in a big way uh, during this winning streak. They've just been fantastic. Beat the Falcons 41-17, Bengals 28-21, Browns 33-18, Ravens 23-16. And then last week, they just really put it all together, beat the Panthers 52-21. They're rolling. They're feeling good about themselves. Which leads me to believe this is a trap game for the Pittsburgh (laughs) Steelers. Uh, Like I said, I think the Jaguars are... I think they're going to be hitting their stride right now. I I know that might sound like a stretch, but when you've got Leonard Fournette back in the game, I believe anything can happen with this Jaguars group. Uh, The last thing the Steelers need to do is overlook the Jaguars, which seems like it would be hard to do, but just the way things are working out, Jaguars 3-6, and Steelers really rolling. Um, We know, and I'm sure they remember, the Jaguars have, you know, ended their season uh, twice in the playoffs in the last 10 or so years. They did it last year, beating the Steelers twice in Pittsburgh. They overlooked the Jaguars last year, and I think it's actually possible that they might do it again. Yeah. If we if we weren't having the year that we were having, I could see them, you know, really taking us. Like, oh, this is, this is a game to circle. It was a yeah. Sunday night game. I mean, the... Look at we're three and sixteen. The, our record is who we are right now, but that's also might be what the Steelers think. Yeah, and their defense, I do not have confidence in at all. I think Blake Bortles will have success, which will open up Leonard Fournette to have a big game. Well, I think they'll be a little bit surprised on Sunday, even with the way things have been going lately. Yeah, I mean, will it happen again? Will the Jaguars upset the Steelers again? Will the Jaguars' O-line be superb in pass protection for a second straight week, not giving up a sack last week against the Colts? Will Blake Bortles continue his pseudo-hot streak? (laughs) Uh, Will Leonard Fournette continue with his touchdown-scoring ways? I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars come out and whoop up on the Steelers and get back on track in 2018. I'm obviously not predicting a playoff run, but... I wouldn't be surprised, like I said, if they get to 7-9 and nine this year, maybe even 8-8. Eight and eight. I also wouldn't be surprised if the complete opposite happens with this team. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Flowers and Parnell are going to have their hands full, hopefully not of Jersey, yeah. <laughs> against TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, who've been getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. Telvin Smith and whoever starts at safety, most likely Barry Church, of course, will need to get their heads out of their asses. And Jalen Ramsey will need to play team football. But history tells me that with Leonard Fournette on the field, the Jaguars will not lose ugly. They just never have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe A.J. Boye returns, plays his best game of the season against Antonio Brown, which uh, he struggled with last year. He was tight coverage against Antonio Brown last year, but Brown was just able to make the big play uh, with, with Boye really draped all over him. 
But I think Boye learns from the past. I think he comes back, comes back motivated to play against Antonio Brown. Jaguars win 31-20 with Leonard Fournette finding the end zone twice and Blake Bortles not throwing a single interception for the fourth straight game. I like it. I don't think their defense is any good, especially the pass. I think they are terrible in pass defense, and they should they can be exploited. I do think they're playing very well. I think Ben, ben Roethlisberger is having one of the best stretches in his career. They won five straight. This off this our defense, man. They need to have a come to Jesus meeting. I mean, just to cover people, not don't get beat. Just cover somebody. Yeah. I, man, I've been picking every single game. Like this is the game that they win. This is the game, and it's against the Colts. I thought for sure, like you know, this if we don't win this one, it's just gonna get ugly. I think this game will be closer than most people nationally think. Yeah. Just the way they lost to the Colts. Like, and it's crazy to think losing to the Colts gives you encouragement. But, like, the defense isn't going to play that bad again. The offense got back on track. Yeah. Let's see what happens. I mean, I think it's crazy to think. It was a three. It's a three. They lost a three-point game. Yeah. It was against a not very good football team, I don't personally think. We don't know. I don't think their defense is great. They certainly have a great player in Darius Leonard and Marshawn Lattimore. But outside of that, Mm -hmm. you don't have a whole lot. But their offense is something now. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think this game, you'll see a lot of points. Um, I think both offenses will have success. I think it's going to be a thirty-five, thirty-one kind of game. It's a weird score, but uh, that's that's kind of the range that I think it's going to be. I think the Steelers will end up on top, just because Antonio Brown, James Conner's just playing out of his mind. Um, and as well as Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't think they get back on track in this one. Um, they're going to have to win the next six games. <laughs> to do, to really, but I don't, I don't think this one's it. You know, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I just know I have never seen the Jaguars lose ugly with Leonard Fournette on the field. Yeah, at least... It's never happened. Hopefully it'll be more competitive than not. <laughs> yeah, I would take that. I would I would also take a win. That's going to do it for the show. We appreciate everybody for listening. Please go review us on the iTunes podcast app. Subscribe on iTunes podcast app as well and on SoundCloud. Check out the website, genjag.com. We've got all sorts of Duval-themed gear, uh, all sorts of uh, latest news, podcast videos from UCF Jaguar, whole lot more on genjag.com. Follow us. At Generation Jag on Twitter, at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, make sure to come out to the tailgate this weekend. Have a good time before the Jaguars take on the Steelers. We will have some smoked pork uh, sandwiches from Feed and Seed Jacks. We'll have beverages from Car Vodka, Bold City Brewery, Green Room Brewing, Rick's Tap House. All out there at 240 Talleyrand Avenue at Strata Clothing, the Gen Jag tailgate. Come and see us. And of course, Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the weather, and we will leave you on a little bit of brohem here to hopefully propel the Jaguars into getting some touchdowns this Sunday against the Steelers. Follow Scott Klein on Twitter at ScottKlein1. Follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. That's going to do it. Have a great weekend, Duval.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.